Perhaps you've heard the phrase, the contact center is not a cost center. The idea behind that is great contact centers drive customer loyalty and revenue by creating great experiences. That doesn't mean that they shouldn't be efficient or that they should be immune to cost-cutting measures. Every company should be mindful of costs, but cutting costs for the sake of cutting costs can end up costing a lot more in the long run. To discuss how to cut costs responsibly, I talked with Brad Cleveland, author, speaker, and consultant known globally for his expertise in customer strategy and management. Brad was a founding partner of ICMI, the International Customer Management Institute, and served as the CEO for more than a decade. His most recent book, Leading the Customer Experience, How to Chart a Course and Deliver Outstanding Results, is a guide to shaping experiences that win loyalty and deliver outstanding business results. On this week's episode of Next in Q, Brad and I discuss customer access strategies, and the value of cross-training, otherwise known as pooling, deflection beyond self-service, different methods to listen to the voice of the customer, and how workforce optimization relates to organizational culture. Let's get to it. Welcome to Next in Q, the podcast for contact center and customer experience professionals. Next in Q is brought to you by Happy To, your service team's personal coach, giving them the process, resources, and insights to deliver the perfect customer experience over the phone. Learn more at HAPPITU.com. Now, here's your host, Rob Dwyer. Thanks for joining another episode of Next in Q. Today, I am joined by the illustrious Brad Cleveland. Brad, welcome to the show. How are you? Hey, Rob, I'm doing great. Oh, illustrious. I've got to try to follow that. <laughs> <laughs> well, you know, I'm trying to use up all my 25 cent words and that was today's. So there you go. That, that's a 50 cent word, that one. <laughs> <laughs> well, uh, with inflation, yes, it is probably a right. 50 word now. <laughs> Speaking of inflation, today we're going to talk about actually reining in costs responsibly uh, within your contact center. So uh, I'm really excited to have you on. Uh, We talked about doing this uh, quite some time ago, and I think it's really timely now as we get to the end of the year. All kinds of companies are thinking about their budgets for 2023. We've seen a rash of layoffs at all kinds of companies who are um, concerned about their expenditures. And so I think a lot of people, um, business leaders are thinking very critically about their budgets for the coming year. And so I wanted to take this opportunity to talk with you about how we can do that but also not create an entire mess when when we go about it. You know, the the wrong approach backfires quickly and severely. Yes, yes, it does. Just can't 
take the wrong steps, you're going to, you're going to have an exit out the back door and long queues and damage to your brand and, you know, all sorts of things that you, you just, you don't want to go there. It's not going to, it's not going to, it's not going to reduce costs for sure. And going to cause all kinds of problems. So what I'm hearing you say already is that I shouldn't just slash uh, across the board, just look at my budget for 2022, take 20% off the top and say, well, that's the budget for 2023. That's, that's a bad idea. Well, you, you, right, yeah, right. you're smiling as you ask that, <laughs> you, you, you know, we, we've all experienced as customers, what, what happens when, when that sort of um, one size fits all approach happens. And, you know, I, I, I've been around this space for a long time and I'm <clears throat> dating myself here, but I remember the you know, the late nineties, early two thousands, the recession we had then, and there was, there were cuts across the board. It was a disaster. And this was before social media. I have a file cabinet. I'd have to do some digging now. It's in the <laughs> long time ago archives, but you know, I've, I've got a filing cabinet of mainstream news articles on, you know, the, the disaster that was from a customer's perspective. And a lot of companies really paid a severe price. So yeah, don't do that. Don't cut costs the wrong way. It's not going to work for you. So uh, in the news uh, fairly recently, uh, for those that don't pay attention to the kinds of things that you and I pay attention to, uh, Frontier Airlines, they recently just eliminated voice service altogether. If you call in to their toll-free number now, you get a recording. It says, Hey, hit us up in one of these other channels, which includes uh, bot, uh, chat, uh, SMS, I believe. They've got some different options. Um, we don't necessarily need to talk about the implications of that. I think we'll, we'll see how things work out for Frontier. But I do want to talk about right? Customer access, because that is one company saying, you know what, we are just eliminating a channel. So talk to me a little bit about the different ways that you can change customer access strategically and what things people should be thinking about as they go through that process of thinking about what they can do to manage access. Yeah. And that is an interesting decision on Frontier's part. And a, a lot of times things are going to go just fine, but get stuck in a snowstorm, pull out that little device you're carrying around in your pocket and start typing away. What could go wrong? And, I, you know, I, I've sat next to probably thousands of agents over the years who use chat and it works great when chat works well. It, chat doesn't work well when... <laughs> when it's not something that works lends itself to chat stating the obvious aren't i <laughs> and and try to try to handle the the volume of customers around these problems that the airlines run into and i wonder if the 8 and 9 hour wait times for the mainstream you know the mainline carriers uh, last year and it's gotten a lot better this year i wonder if that suggests there's any demand there so yeah we'll see what happens but um, I, I think it's going to be incredibly frustrating on the on the agents end of things. Trying to and and they they mentioned three chat conversations. 
my daughter who's 20 can type as fast as I can talk, you know, to do that with three people at one time and see how that, how that works out for you. I, I just, I just don't get it, but, but we shall see, as you say, customer access, it's a it, it, great place to start for, for anything, cutting costs, uh, growing your, your presence, you know, really shaping the kind of brand that you want. Start with your customer access strategy. So talking about what what customers are you serving, uh, the contact types, the access alternatives that you're putting out there, phone, chat, text, self-service, all of that. Um, and go through methodically what that looks like. So I remember a, um, a wireless organization that was going through uh, deep water. They've since really turned things around. But they grew their contact center services to help with the turnaround. You know, they they had had suggestions that we need to cut costs across the board. They were trying to retain customers. So easy access, helping them get into the plans that made sense for them, you know, helping them resolve some of the, you know, some of the questions they had by boosting their contact center, they were they were able to um, you know boost their their revenue and really turn things around. So start with your customer access strategy and what you're trying to do overall. Uh, something that I think we should talk about that you just mentioned there is when you're looking at a budget, it's not always about cutting things because at the end of the day, it's about revenue and, and the cost to generate that revenue. And so sometimes it does make sense to actually spend a little bit more if that means that your revenue is going to go up significantly, whether it's retention or access to new customers, doesn't it? Well, that's right. And sometimes you need to spend to cut costs. I, I remember working with a, a consumer products company, and this is a, an example I cite because if a consumer products company with commodities can do this, anyone can, but their, their contact center was not a great place to work. They, they had high turnover their their team they brought me in to you know kick some things around with their team their team had all kinds of ideas but they you know they, they hadn't they hadn't asked them you know what what do you guys think we should do <laughs> um so they they got their foot in the door so they could get on to you know better better jobs as those doors opened up internally uh but um the one of the things that their team came up with when we asked hey how could you create more value is you know what what's really driving this work and with a little analysis, they discovered that 11% of the contacts they were getting on one of their spray cleaning products, and again, these are commodities, um, was because the cap was hard to remove. So you'd buy it and take it home and all too often force the cap off and shear off the, the nozzle so it wouldn't work. So throw it away. Well, they began to really listen to their customers and track what was the, the drivers of this work. Um, and... And they were able to show that to their their packaging supplier who redesigned the cap, and those contacts went away. Eleven percent of the work on one of their products went away because they were able to you know analyze what was driving it, and and take measures to to fix it. So sometimes you have to spend to cut costs, and and a contact center is a great place to to look for those opportunities because we're such powerful eyes and ears. Yeah, absolutely. One of the things that I'm curious what your thoughts are, I feel like the last five-ish years has been for, for contact centers and support teams 
a time where we just add channels, add channels, give choice, more choice for customers to contact us. And we just talked about, you know, Frontier eliminating one of those choices. I mean, what should we be looking at when we're trying to determine what channels we offer? Yeah, it's a really great question. And it starts with your customer access strategy where you're talking through as a, a cross-functional team, what, what kinds of issues come up with the different customer segments, different customer types that you have, which, which simply helps you understand their needs and requirements. So start with your customers and then what, what kind of work is that going to drive? I, there was a food manu, uh, a food company in, in um, Europe that uh, decided they would cut weekend service. In fact, they eliminated weekend service hours. So um, save a little money. <clears throat> they distributed a product that was tainted. Their customers, be, and this happened at the end of a work week, their customers began contacting them. Hey, something's funny about this product. No one was there to hear. And the thing developed in this full-blown crisis over the weekend. Uh, by Monday morning, it had been picked up by the news. Um, you know, there were there were no deaths or anything. It, it, it could have been worse, but it, it was, you know, a lot of people got sick. It was a real impact on their brand. And they later calculated they could have kept they could have kept the contact center open for a hundred years on weekends next to what they paid to you know get this thing resolved and the impact on their brand. So start with your customer access strategy. What might happen? You know, if you're a utility with down power lines, you'd never think twice about being there 24 seven. Um, you know, being available for 24 seven gas leaks down power lines you know that sort of thing you 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 have to be there that's common sense right but there's those but but all of these decisions are common sense when we lay out what could happen and where we really need to be there for our customers it's not a mystery one thing you do have to do is make sure you've got one plan you're operating from and not i, I was in an insurance company a while back they had three different customer access strategies <clears throat> one was primarily in IT, one was in marketing, one was in the customer service area. And, you know, ask how well that went. So, <laughs> so we, we we have to work from one plan, <laughs> singing the same song. So start with one plan, but just lay out methodically. And I, I've got a form on my website. There's no gate or anything that the 10 components of a customer access strategy, go grab that, go through those components with your team and start to build out, you know, where, where do we need to have service um, where might, might we cut, say, hours or where might we consolidate queues or, or or maybe not have such an aggressive service level? And and that's fine. That would make that would make sense. There are those opportunities. So so but you only find them when you have the, you know, the big picture in front of you. Yeah. You mentioned something that I think sometimes we get uh, not granular enough on and that service level. And I, I think maybe for, for the people that aren't necessarily contact center people, we should probably define service level uh, first. But I'm curious, most of the time, I think companies look at service level at uh, a monthly, you know, did you achieve from a monthly standpoint or a weekly standpoint? Does it make sense to have different service level targets for 
different intervals or different days of the week, even if that means that my monthly now shifts? Yeah, it's a really good question. And you're right, most measured across too too long of a time frame. Uh, monthly is worse than worthless. Daily reports <laughs> are are bad news. Don't use them. So if I if I'm your contact center manager and I have a bad morning, you know, we just don't have the it's a Monday morning or for whatever reason, we don't have the resources we need and we miss service level. Um, what am I gonna do? I'm gonna going to keep people plugged, never mind training and, and projects and cross-functional initiatives, all that. We'll have to postpone that because we've got to get service level back up to where it, it needs to be. That's the worst kind of management. So service level, which technically means X percent of contacts reaching an agent within Y seconds, different ways to measure that, but that's the, you know, that's the basic um, expression. Um, service level has to be measured and managed by interval, you know, down to 30 minutes, or if you've got long calls, 60 minutes are fine, but down to, down to the interval level and look at how many intervals are you hitting service level? Don't try to make up for water under the bridge, you, you know, get, get on with what you need to do to build and strengthen your service for the customers you have now and tomorrow. Forget, forget what happened this morning. Yeah, I think that's something that a lot of contact centers don't do, right? I mean, they look at service level as just a, a, a that's a KPI. That is, uh, whether you're an outsourcer or using an in-source team, that's usually kind of one of the, the top measures of are we being successful? And I think it's interesting to kind of look at that metric and and say, you know, are we measuring the right thing? Maybe we should look at it differently and and change how we look at it and i love that idea of what percentage of intervals did we hit that service level and that gives you a, a clearer idea of how much of the day were you successful and then you can look at why weren't you successful in the intervals that that you didn't hit was it because someone called out was it because um, there was a significant change in what we expected from contacts, you know, we, we talk about airlines, right? <laughs> we've been, we've been hitting on the, on the airline thing. Certainly weather events change how many people are trying to reach a particular airline, because I probably am not calling in if I have no issues, but as soon as that flight gets canceled, I, I'm trying to get a hold of someone. Yeah, that's right. And and when you need to get a hold of someone you need for the channel, that makes sense to to be available. Um, yeah, and, and just adding channels doesn't make sense. Um, adding the right channels. I remember doing some work with a, a HR services company and they they were troubled by some of the misses they were seeing in customer surveys. The overall results were still pretty good, but, but they're like, yeah, I don't know, we're hearing about problems here and there. And we're in this meeting room and I had my laptop projecting in the front of the room and someone brought up social media and, you know, you guys have much of a presence there. Is that a service, you know, opportunity for you? So I, I went over to their Facebook site. I think we started there and then went to Instagram and, and, and Twitter and some of the other sites. And I heard this gasp. Um, they're, they're alongside marketing messages of grandeur and the fun run this weekend and meet us in the park and all this. 
was uh, a customer in all caps describing his problem with password, a simple password reset problem. He's going on and on and on. And this is alongside these marketing messages. So I went over to Twitter and it was even worse there and multiple customers you know, describing their problems and every social media channel had something like that alongside messages from the company. It just seemed tone deaf. And so mm-hmm. one of the, one of the person, one of the guys in this meeting says, well, that's awkward, <laughs> kind of broke the ice. And this, this very healthy discussion ensued. We're like, Hey, we've got to be where our customers are. And why didn't he call us or use e- email or chat or some other channel that we have? I don't know. He, he jumped on Facebook in that case, but if that's where the service issue arises, we probably need to be there. And, and, and they've since um, taken some really great steps to resolve that, but we've got to be where our customers are. And, and we've, and the, it's not hard to figure that out. That's not a mystery. You know, get your customer access strategy out and look at alongside of that, where they're trying to reach you now. And that gives you some pretty clear direction on where to, you know, where to invest and where you can, you know, move things around a little bit. Yeah, absolutely. So let's talk about spending more money to save money. What about cross training with my internal teams? What opportunities are there that that you see often? That is a really good idea. Um, the The powerful pooling principle is as an immutable law that states that any movement in the direction of consolidation of resources is going to, is going to improve traffic carrying efficiency. That's kind of a wonky way to say, look, um, (laughs) cross train uh, pool groups, and they're going to be a lot more efficient than individual specialized groups as you can. Now, if, if someone's specialty means they can handle interactions a lot more effectively than, you know, that's the, that's the balance here. So, but, but a lot of cases I'll go in and I'll see, you know, natural groupings that if we, if we did that cross training and really combine those groups, we'd see a lot more efficiency thinking of um, insurance companies that break out work by, by state and by different licenses and different customer types and this and that. And it's so sliced and diced that, um, when all of a sudden done, you've got these smaller groups you're trying to manage that are very inefficient. So short answer is yes, cross train and pool where you can. That makes a, a ton of sense. And by all means, do that by channel. You know, to to not only have different content um, that you're trying to handle, uh, but then to break that down even further by here's our email group and here's our chat group and here's our social media group and here's our <laughs> phone group and here... <laughs> you know, it, here's our back office processing area. It, you know, just, it just makes no sense when we can, when we can get smart about bringing that, that work together. And they, you know, the question of whether someone can handle this or that channel, they can, you know, I, I, I can tell you so many cases where that was this huge debate and then they, they, they enable and, and really equip their, their teams to start handling different channels and it all works great. No one would ever go back. Yeah, absolutely. I think often it's just a matter of, are we equipping our people to be successful? It's not, can they do it? Sure, they can. 
It's just a matter of, are, are you investing in them so that they can do it successfully? And if they need some work on written communication, or if they need some work on, you know, just even how to set up things on their monitors so that they can access stuff properly. Yeah. And, and that may be something that's helpful regardless of the channel that they're supporting. Yeah, that's right. And and we all have preferred channels. There there is nothing wrong with that. You know, you like email and I like phone perhaps. That's that's fine. But just carte blanche deciding we're going to have separate groups because they're different skill sets. That's that's not a good approach. So we talked earlier about the company that changed the nozzle to get rid of 11% of their volume essentially. That leads me to deflection. And I think when people think deflection, they think self-service, whether that's a, a chat bot or FAQs or whatever. But part of deflection can be identifying what's driving your volume and maybe fixing a problem if that exists, right? Yeah, absolutely. Yeah. Yeah, I'm thinking of a um, a large government operation that I've worked with recently, and they've invested in um, authentication in particular because if they, you know, their their constituents are there forever, and so there's going to be repeat work, and if they can authenticate someone and make it easier for them uh, up front, you know, forget the 16 digits and your mother's birthday and everything to try to get in, but how can we make that easier? So. So they've invested in, in different authentication methods, one, one being voice biometrics. They need your voice brand. So they've invested in, um, in, in their agents to help walk customers through this. Or it takes some handling time, uh, but it's kind of a, a, a front-loaded investment. And then once, you're, once your voice prints in the system, the next time you contact them, it, it knows who you are. It can, in, in a matter of, you know, some split seconds, pull up information, any letters that you've received, any documentation that you might need to be aware of. It can route you to a certain area based on what the system knows about your recent history. All that makes it a lot easier on customers and, and mitigates that work that would otherwise go to the wrong agent group or, you know, that, that would require an investment just in trying to figure out who you are, let alone the, the next steps in that. Yeah. And by the way, if anyone out there is interested in, in doing something like that, check out my episode with Matt Smallman. Uh, we uh, talked about his book, Unlock Your Call Center, and it's it's exactly that using voice biometrics. Um, and that is, uh, it's amazing uh, just from a handle time perspective, what you can do in just changing how quickly once someone is talking with someone they can actually start working on the issue as opposed to making sure that they're talking to the right person. I mean, depending on your business, that can be a significant amount of time that you're spending with someone just making sure, oh, I'm, I'm talking to Brad and not someone pretending to be Brad. Yeah, that's right. So those are, those are slow pitches over center plate, you know, those kind of opportunities. Um, and the other, the other, Part of this is to make sure that we are interpreting what our, our values and our mission is are the, the same. I, I remember working with a tech support operation that had 
you know, one rep had a um, 20 plus minute handling time and everybody else was 10 to 12 minutes. And their director was like, is that, is that too long? And, you know, this was the first hour I was there. I, I don't know. I mean, maybe that's the, the right number for everybody. I don't know. What's your mission? Well, come to find out, you know, they, they flow charted these contacts and, and he was the first to say, yeah, I'm going a little above and beyond, but they, it's a software B2B company. They, they love our software when they know more about it and it helps their business, helps our mission. And he was right. I saw every head nodding rather than everyone's handling time on a contact by contact basis, floating up to 20 plus minutes, they decided to take what he was doing and build it into cross-functional initiatives. So he became part of a group to develop user videos, YouTube videos, that sort of thing on features. Um, they, they set up a customer community where customers could help each other. They, they developed their knowledge management capabilities and, and the FAQs that their internal and external um, audiences could get to. All of that was a, a, a systematic you, you know, process way to go at what he was trying to do on a one-off basis. So his handling time migrated down to where everybody else's was. But he told me, you know, now we're with these cross-functional initiatives that we all lend some hours to each month, we're helping everyone. And we're not 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 just the customers that contact us, but those that never have to. Uh, because we can, you know, point them to the, the the video resources we have and the, you know, beefed up user guides and the customer community and all these things. So he was on the right track. Um, they just needed to harness that uh, as an opportunity. Yeah, customer education, I think, is one of those overlooked opportunities at deflection. When people think deflection, a lot of times they think chatbot and uh, we all have our opinions on chatbots, and there are some good ones, and there are some bad ones. Uh, but customer education is a method of deflection, and there you're using someone who's already an expert. And you're right; instead of that one-on-one, -on -one where he's only talking to a small, small segment of your customer base, you can utilize that person to now be speaking to a huge segment of your customer base on their own time as well. It's more convenient. Uh, they don't have to wait on hold. They can go and, and check out one of those videos and solve their problem. That's something that I think every company should look at. What can we do more in terms of customer education so that we decrease the volume that's coming in? That That's the smart way to cut costs. That's, that is a, a great example of a smart way to go at this. Versus let's go faster and faster with, you know, handling time and what we're trying to do now. No, re, you know, re, turn it on its head. What, what is that work and how do we, how do we learn from it to really leverage those larger opportunities? That's exciting. And that's where the contact center becomes this incredible strategic asset uh, to, to the rest of the organization. You know, what are we learning? You know, we're, we're as customers, we're also over surveyed right now. We're just not going to sit down and give a, a bunch of information, if if any at all. And um, we still need surveys. I'm not suggesting we don't, but the contact center is handling, you know, real live interactions with real live customers. And what are they telling us um, implicitly and, and what they're actually saying about what's happening in their world?
as they experience our products and services. And what can we learn from that? Where else can you get that information? You know, it's so powerful and it's so concentrated. So harnessing the contact center as this strategic asset that, that can help the rest of the organization really understand these opportunities and, and, and leverage them, that's exciting. And that's really the future of, of contact centers. There, you know, there have been waves of tech disruptions with each one bringing out a whole slew of gurus saying contact centers are going to go away. And there are more agents in the world today in more contact centers than at any point in history. But the smart ones are leveraging that opportunity. They're not just trying to you know, reshape the pie. They're, they're, they're really leveraging those, those, those opportunities. Yeah, you brought up something that I, I think when people hear, especially people in the industry, they hear voice of the customer, they think about surveys. And while surveys can be useful, they are problematic in some ways, right? Response rate, are you asking the right questions? And just the oversaturation that we as um, customers get with surveys, sometimes really bad ones as well. But every time we call or chat or send an email, there's data in that, right? That's the voice of your customer. They're talking to you. They're engaging with you. And so when you look into that data, you can find all kinds of gems about what people like, what people don't like, who your competitors are, issues with your product or your service that need to be fixed, like all of those things can be used to improve what you're doing, drive loyalty, drive revenue, and that's all coming out of the contact center. Boy, that's right. And, and surveys are one of you know dozens of ways to really listen to your customer. Voice of the employee is a huge source of input for voice of the customer. You know, talk to your talk to your employees. They'll they'll tell you they'll tell you what's happening. And you're right. You know, every every touch point is um, is this incredible opportunity to learn what's that data what's that data telling us. So surveys aren't going away. We need them, but there there's so many powerful ways that need to sit alongside surveys to help us really really listen to our customers. Yeah, absolutely. So I know uh, one of the things that is most often looked at from a contact center perspective when you look at costs is, is the cost of labor, right? I mean, that's usually the biggest cost in any contact center. Uh, so workforce has a huge impact on costs. Can you talk to us a little bit about workforce optimization and opportunities that organizations have in that area? Yeah, that that's uh, you know that's a really great question for anyone to keep asking with with their operation. What what should that look like? Um, at the risk of sounding a, a bit repetitive, start with your customer access strategy. You know what what are we trying to do? Who are our customers? And then what what resources make the most sense there? I. I I did some work with a a water treat a large water treatment organization. Think these huge city systems down to 
you know, the water treatment system in a small restaurant, every point in between. And it's one of those, um, you got to have it. It's got to work well. <clears throat> Maslow's hierarchy things, you know, that's, you, you know, with, with food and shelter and safety, you got, you got to have clean water. Yeah. So they, they were staffed by um, uh, most, most of their agents were PhDs, uh, chemical engineering PhDs, very bright, uh, very capable. The problem in their case wasn't that they were spending money to attract that level of competence, which they absolutely had to have. It was that they didn't understand their, their team didn't understand priorities and timing so you know and, I, and I've, I've seen that in 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 telemedicine with doctors and nurses I've, I've, I've seen it in you know other organizations that handle um, interactions with the airlines and you know high-end high systems that sort of thing we need you but we need you in the right place at the right time and that can sound that that can sound like a a contradiction, you know, I, I, Hey, I've got a PhD in chemical engineering. You're giving me a schedule <laughs> saying, take a break at 10, 15. That makes no sense. You hire me to make decisions. Yeah, but we've got to make decisions together and they've got to be around what our customers need. Um, so having that discussion, you know, I, th with this, with this team in particular, like what's, what do we do to go at this? How do we how do we get you guys in the right place at the right time so you're there when your customers need you? Um, and they came up with some really great, I mean, timing became a focus and they came up with some really great um, approaches to more collaborative schedules. And yeah, they do make sense. And we do need to keep an eye on, on that demand as it ebb and ebbs and flows. Uh, so, so it was more of a ground up thing versus a workforce management top down so get your team involved um get get your um <clears throat> you know get your team on board with the, the the cultural message that we need you we need smart people uh to to help us with this what what can what can we do as a team to make sure we're there at the right time so workforce you know back to the question workforce optimization is this huge opportunity to, to not only get the right people in the right place at the right time doing the right thing, uh, but to really build a culture around that that puts a bounce in everyone's step. You know, if you're, and, and we're not the only industry where timing is important. You know, if, you, if you're a football, if you're a football player, you, you, you got to run the route. The, you got to be in sync with the quarterback or it's not going to go well. You know, if you're, if you're a, um, an actor, you've got to you got to be there when the when the lines up. Um, there, there's so many examples of where timings. If you're a pilot, you got to do certain things at certain times, or it's not going to go right. So, so we're not the only ones with a time-driven environment. We need a culture where everyone understands that, and then alongside of that, the 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 skill sets that we need, which are increasingly around, we need some very very capable people and. Uh, we need to step up to the plate and make sure we're hiring very capable people. Um, that that all works really well when you put all that together. Yeah, it's it's funny when you work with organizations where the contact center, and maybe that even belongs in quotes, right? The contact center, like that's not their business. Their business is is something else, and they've insourced. And they often just don't, they don't 
that's not their business. So they're not, they don't understand all of those little intricacies that a professional contact center people who maybe don't have a PhD, but they, they know call arrival patterns really, really well. And, and why it's important that someone takes their break at a particular time and not 15 minutes later. And being able to communicate all of those things to that organization so that they can look at things differently can make a huge impact in how they're able to service customers. And a lot of it's just thinking about the customer first, not about us. That's right. A contact center in, in its simplest definition is just a mechanism to enable customers to reach the the resources and help they need when they need it. That's the key. It's, it's, it's when you need it. So we've got this whole industry built around, you know, cues and metrics and, and, and routing and all these, all these subsets of things that have to happen to it, but, but it's simply a customer needing the right help at the right time. That's all it is. Um, so if we treat it that way, then things go a lot better, you know, build a culture around that and, you'll you'll see the opportunity for your brand to shine through because you get that blocking and tackling working for you. You can concentrate on on the things that really matter. Yeah, absolutely. You mentioned a couple of things there, uh, the, the culture piece, and we've talked uh, previously about really just engaging your employees to focus on the right things. And I think when you bring those things together, right, a culture that's focused on customers and a culture that has engaged employees. When you talk to your team, a lot of these things that we're talking about will come from the team. They'll say, you know what, we need to change this. And if we did that, it would make right our ability to help our customers so much better. And sometimes that's really where the problem lies. It's not just in your processes and your procedures or your systems that you're using, it could be rooted in a culture that just really isn't focusing on the customers, or you just don't have particularly engaged employees because you're not working on that, fostering that environment. Well, that was this water company. You know, the morning I walked in, they're all in a in a large meeting room with their arms folded like this. Like, what's this customer service plan? person can it try to tell us <laughs> and the, the turnaround was so dramatic and, and their director contacted me at, you know after this workshop I was like I want to show you some graphs and 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 retention got way better and service level got way better quality got better because quality is a follow service level you can't you can't deliver quality unless you get the customer to the right place so everything moving and he's like thank you and I'm like I would love to take credit for this. All I did was prompt a little discussion. Your team came up with this, but they just had to see why this was all important. You know, why, you know, they, they needed to be in the right place at the right time, doing the right things, how that enabled everything they were trying to do, which is deliver clean water to the world. One of the most basic needs we have. So um, when you tie, when you tie contact center operations to, the larger mission as a culture, that's exciting. Yeah, it is. I love that. I love that. Well, so again, as people are thinking about their budgets, maybe 
they're looking to cut costs. Uh, do you have any other suggestions that we haven't talked about that you just want to throw out there and say, hey, make sure you look at this or make sure you think about this as as we head into 2023? Yeah. Well, we, we talked about pooling agent groups. Definitely look at where you can where you can cross train and maybe combine uh, resources you have. Um, we talked about, you know, first and foremost, customer access strategy and the strategic value that the contact center can deliver. So how do you cut costs by learning and sharing that information and acting on that information across the board to improve products and services and processes? Um, you know, de definitely invest in uh, in your processes so they're getting better and cleaner and, and they make more sense. Uh, you know, th those are all those are all great places to start staffing and scheduling and efficiency and all of that is, you know, any organization can make improvements there, but but make sure it's organic and that you're not trying to force, you know, efficiencies where they're artificial efficiencies and really not producing what uh, what you want. Work, work to work to reduce contacts at the source, you know, look at your drivers. What, why are, why are those contacts happening in the first place? And how can you work upstream to, to prevent them? All of those things in combination will lead you to the right kind of cost cutting, not the, you know, not the coarse kind that, that backfires. Yeah, absolutely. So uh, normally at the end of uh, a podcast episode, I give a guest an opportunity to talk about where people can reach them, but we just need to, I need to lay this out for people. Like if you want to learn more from Brad, LinkedIn learning has, <laughs> I don't know, how many courses do you have out there Brad, at this point? Oh, uh, thanks for mentioning that. I, I think a dozen now. And I, I just recorded another last week that I'm super excited about. It's on managing customer cues to, to the topic today. Perfect. And, and it's for not, not just contact centers, but anyone that, that has cues, you'll think of retail or, you know, grocery store or security line or anybody, but um, that, that was super fun to work on, you know, the different kinds of cues and how you stay, it sounds dreadfully boring, right? It's super <laughs> fun when you, you get into the different kinds of cues and how to manage them well, just the, the whole world works better. So, so that was fun. So that'll be course 13 or 14, I think. Yeah. Lots of, lots of great content on LinkedIn learning. Uh, then you've got your website with your blog right? The, the blog resources are great. I mean, one of the reasons that we decided to have this conversation actually came out of one of your blog posts that I like so much this summer. And I was like, hey, I, I really want to talk about this on the podcast. But you release uh, blog posts uh, very regularly, I think weekly. Um, you can sign up for the newsletter, all kinds of resources on your, your website as well. Do you want to talk a little bit about what's, what's on the website? Oh, I appreciate you mentioning that. Um, you know, it's it, it it's all no charge resources on the website. There's no gate. You don't have to leave a you know anything. Just just grab what would be helpful. There's a queuing calculator. There's um, I mentioned the customer access strategy framework. There's the a document on the on the ten customer expectations. Uh, there's a document on the seven key metrics, categories of metrics that you need in your contact center. So I just love to, I've been around this space 
a long time and I, I I love to just figure out ways I can be helpful. So most of that's organic, you know, the kind of questions I'm getting and and I, I do what I can to, you know, get things out there that, that that might be helpful to your team. Yeah, you have a ton of great resources. So I encourage anyone who's in the contact center space uh, or adjacent to the contact center space or customer experience, whatever the case may be, uh, go check out uh, it's bradcleveland.com, correct? That's right. Yeah, we'll put that in the liner notes so that you can quickly get to it. But seriously, there's so much great stuff there. Uh, where else can people find you? Yeah, you know, LinkedIn and ICMI are great are great sources. Um, the The conference industry is beginning to kick back up the the in person versions, and there's always a just a wonderful community that comes together there. So. Um, icmi.com my colleagues there do a do a great job um yeah so and I've, I've got a few other things on my website there's there's a a couple of books contact center management fast forward um and leading the customer experience a little broader uh take on things um yeah so snoop around a little bit and 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 ping me if i can be helpful you know if you've got questions i'd love to love to help yeah, absolutely. Well, Brad, thank you so much. I can't tell you how much I appreciate you uh, joining Next in Q. And um, uh, I, I really appreciate it. This has been a great talk, and I'm sure people are going to get a lot out of this. Well, you are so welcome, Rob. Thank you. And thanks for the great podcast. Next in Q is brought to you by Happy To and is produced by me, Rob Dwyer. If you enjoy this podcast, Please, by all means, subscribe and or rate this podcast in iTunes or your favorite podcast app. But more importantly, please tell just one person about this podcast. Word of mouth is the best way for people to discover new content. As always, thanks for listening.